I want to give you a little bit of a taste of what's going on back there as well as what goes on at small groups uh, because this is this whole series designed by God has been to spur people to do more than just sit on their backside one time a week for an hour. You can, fe- you can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. What happens on Sunday nights in my small group, I know the other small groups, that's holy. A couple of weeks ago, we sat there, chill bumps on our arms as God descended into that place, began to share through different people, and you're going, I can't believe someone trusted us enough to share those things with us. And what's amazing is when one person begins to share, other people begin to share. And, and folks are saying things like, I've never told anybody this before. And when I hear that, I get excited because that means healing is about to begin. As long as you keep your secrets secret, you will stay sick. You're only as sick as your secrets. When you bring those things out in the open, and I'm not talking about you stand up here and tell your secrets. Not yet, anyway. John's going to do that in a couple of weeks. Um, But nobody else has to do that. Just John. But when you do that in a group of people who love you and, and who will keep things confidential, there is power in that. And so what's happening, you know, in our small groups is, is people are growing in their relationship with Christ. They're getting well from, from the things that are happening in their past. Stuff is going on in small groups and we want you to be a part of that. We want you to be a part of what's going on back here in the children's area. We need folks to work. And so when we dismiss here today, there's a ministry fair going on. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up to, to just give it a try. And we don't want you to go just once. We want you to go three or four times, really get a good understanding of what that ministry is about. If you don't like it, then you have freedom to try another. We want you to do that. So let's wrap this up. Let me, let me go back one last time and talk about this suitcase. The suitcase represents every person who's ever been born. Every person is created by God, but not every person is a child of God. You, you get into the human race by being born physically. You get into the, the kingdom of God by being born spiritually. And so when a person comes to the point that they ask Christ to be the forgiver of their sins, the leader of their lives, he comes into, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he takes up dwelling inside your life. There is no rational explanation for why I am the way I am today compared to the way I was when, before I met Christ. The only thing I can tell you is God lives inside me and God changes me from the inside out. And I've seen that happen in countless people here. The thing that's amazing, though, is God doesn't just send his spirit to live inside you. The spirit comes and brings a gift, at least one spiritual gift. You have at least one. If you're a Christ follower, you probably have more than that. We're trying to discover those because when God puts all of us together, he takes broken pieces And he he puts it together in this masterpiece called the church. And the reason most people don't like church is most churches are not working correctly. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. Because single moms have their cars worked on for free. Because single moms can have... Their, um, their air conditioning worked on for free, or they can find clothes. We're trying to get a clothes ministry going where they can come and just swap clothes, get things for free. People who are drug addicts find out that someone will love them and encourage them, and they can get free from their drug past. We have people in the local church, when it's working right, anybody can walk through those doors and be loved right where they are. And we just believe God is so powerful that if we love people, God will do the changing. See, I I don't know about you, but I've been in churches where people think they are the Holy Spirit. That'll preach right there. This is just extra. It's not even on my notes over here. You ever been in a church where someone told you what you should do? In the name of Jesus. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit, that job description is already taken 
by the Holy Spirit of God. My job is not behavior modification. My job is to love people. And when I love people and people begin to open up about their past, my God comes in and does things that I couldn't even imagine. And I sit there in my small group with my jaw on the ground, not literally, going, I can't believe they're sharing this. And then we talk about it. I say, what we do on Sunday nights, I'm I'm sorry. I love Sunday mornings. I love singing with these folks. I love the music. I love that. But what we do on Sunday nights in a home is more holy than what's going on right now. Because y'all are just sitting there, you know, taking a little bit of stuff in. What happens, I know that happened at the ladies' retreat. Um, wasn't just a bonfire. It wasn't just fun and games. I know some holy things happened. I know when the men meet on Sunday mornings, holy things happen when you get in a small group and you just are real. So we've said from the beginning, New Life is a, is a real church for real people who have real problems. But we know a Savior who has real answers to anything you will ever face. If you'll just turn your life over to him, he will rock your world. All right, so we're trying to get you to discover your gifts. I'm going to go over three more gifts real quickly, and then we're going to get into the practical side of what do you need to do to discover your gift. Uh, You have a sheet out back, and it's called Unwrapping My Gifts. This is a list of all the gifts as well as where they're found, with the exception of three that I'm going to give you today. First is leadership. Leadership is the ability to clarify and communicate the purpose, direction of a ministry in a way that attracts others to get involved. It's real simple to know if you have the gift of leadership. People follow you. If you don't have a gift of leadership, you're taking a walk. It's real simple. People who lead, folks are drawn to them because they just have this ability to to take charge and and get a group of people from one point to another. Folks just want to be involved with them. And really, the, the term about leadership that you need to remember is influence. Leaders influence other lives. And in our case, what we're talking about is for the kingdom of God. Second is administration. It's also called the gift of organization. It's the ability to recognize the gifts uh, of others and recruit them to ministry. Now, if if leadership is influence, then administration, the word that, that describes them, is managers. Administrators can do a whole bunch of things at once. They can spin a bunch of plates. Many of us can only fun- function focusing on one thing at a time. Others can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hush up. Uh, that, that was not a place yet. Where is he? Heard the amen. Yeah, he's on the stairs. Oh, he's hiding back there. Okay. I just hear a voice. And it's not the Lord's. Oh, I see him now. Okay, got him. So um, some of us focus on one thing at a time. The, the people who have the gift of administration, though, they can, they can do a whole lot of things at one time. And then the last one that I wanted to mention to you is faith. Now, we all are called to have faith. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We're all supposed to have faith, but the people with the gift of faith, these people do not quit come hell or high water. They trust in God, and, and I, what I put down, it's the, it's the ability to trust God for what cannot be seen and to act on God's promise, regardless of what the circumstances indicate. These people will risk failure in pursuit of God's um, promises. They will not give up. They persevere. Um, We've gone through all of this stuff really quickly, but here's the point. I want you to take these sheets. You're going to have some of these. Some of you already done them. This is called a shape sheet. And let me just quickly remind you, because we've got some new folks here. Shape stands for spiritual gifts. If you're a Christ follower, you have at least one. Second is heart. It's what you're passionate about. Uh, the, three, the, the A is abilities. 
P is personality and E is experiences. Now, I'm going to explain to you what you need to do. Because like in our group, we went through the spiritual gifts early on. We did this shape sheet, but we didn't have a good understanding of the spiritual gifts. That's why I made this sheet, unwrapping my gifts and put it back there. So you can begin looking through those things. But let me give you a few more uh, practical things to do as we get started. Um, At New Life, we don't want to zero in on what you're not good at. We want to zero in on what you are good at. And if you're in a ministry, do you know how to do you know how to know whether your ministry is working or not? If you are stressed to the max doing your ministry, you're probably not in the right one. Because what you're going to understand as you begin to minister, as you begin to serve, is when you have satisfaction and success, you're probably in the area that God has gifted you. And that's where you need to be serving. So if you're not making it in a certain ministry, it doesn't mean you're the wrong person. It means it's the wrong job. Look at a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, There are different abilities to perform service. Now, we know that God is the one who gives us all of these abilities. And there's all kinds of different abilities. Exodus 31, 3 says, I, God is speaking here, have given him skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. Well, let me tell you four misconceptions about abilities. First misconception is people aren't born with skills. That's simply not true. You have a number of skills that you came out of your mother's womb with. Now, they may have been in seed form, but some people are just naturally better at things, certain things than other things. Some people are mechanically inclined. Some people are, are sports related. Some people are music. They have these abilities that just seem to come to them from the womb. And somebody ever says, he just seems to have a natural talent. He probably does. Second misconception is that skills are learned primarily in the classroom. Nothing could be further from the truth. How many of you use all of the things you learned in the classroom when you were growing up from first grade through 12th grade? I use the Pythagorean theorem. I do. I've used it to build fences and stuff. Right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Is that right? Yeah, because if three... Anyway, I'll tell you later. If you don't know how to use that, I'll show you. You can build a square, you know, when you're doing a corner of a building, a vent, you can do that with the Pythagorean theorem. It's, it's real simple. You go three, four, and five. Okay. <laughs> Some people just don't get it, right? You don't come out knowing math. Okay. Uh, number three, people are aware of their abilities. You probably are using skills right now you don't even realize you have. It just is natural to you. Number four, my work skills can't be used by God. Did you know that in our single mom's ministry, just we just mentioned this a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, and it's kind of birthed and kind of done its own thing here. Did you know there are seven different ways you can serve just in our single mom's ministry? They're all out there on the table. There's three or four things that are very specific to individuals like optometry or physical therapy, but there's a lot of other stuff you can do just because you have natural skills and ability. And, and kind of to, to cement this point or to, to get you really thinking about just using who God made you to be, I did an interview with, with Miss Debbie Bozeman. Debbie's one of my favorite people in the world. We kind of adopted her into our family. And she comes up here a couple times a week. She works with Janie. And she came up um, probably two weeks ago, caught me back there. I was doing something on stage, and we were sitting back there. And she said, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you for letting me serve. And I said, you don't understand how much you mean to us. And she goes, no, no, you don't understand how much serving means to me. And we talked for a few minutes and I said, we got to get this on video so that people can hear it. Here's the interview with Miss Debbie. 
My name is Debbie Bozeman, and I serve at New Life. I got to New Life. I'd never heard of the church uh, before about two years ago, I guess it's been. And I was uh, staying with my sister, uh, recovering from uh, some surgery, and uh, I had been ordered a physical therapy and had requested a member of New Life, uh, John Colander. And uh, he came out to my sister's and, and uh, got me started on physical therapy. And after about, oh, I guess it was three or four months, he, he uh, said, you know, you ought to go to the New Life. He said, now we're a little bit different, but you ought to come and try it out. And so I told him I would, and, and I did. And from the very first day, I felt like this was a part of my family. Uh, he told me that I needed to be here because New Life needed my uh, gifting, my talents, and my experience. That there were a lot of people that uh, needed help at New Life, as in most churches. But that uh, he felt so good after visiting with me. He said, "Everybody needs to know you." And I figured he was just bragging because he's a sweet guy. But uh, <laughs> got it all told me a long time ago that my ministry was to be an encourager and, and a counselor uh, to help other people down this road of God's life. Uh, I work on Tuesday and Thursday uh, mornings helping prepare the children's programs, uh, getting arts and crafts supplies together or uh, different props for stories and I uh, help do odd jobs for uh, Janie, whatever she needs, I'm just trying to be a second pair of hands. I also do counseling with uh, women and, and children uh, on an as-needed basis. And then I, I pray. I come in on uh, while the praise and worship team practices and just pray uh, for God's leadership for them and uh, over the equipment as they practice. When uh, I uh, serve, it makes me feel like there's a purpose for me to be here. I live alone, uh, I have a lot of alone time, and uh, having a place where I can serve and feel like I'm helping gives me a purpose to uh, continue, and as well gives me an opportunity to love on people. It's very worth it. Uh, in fact, at times it has uh, saved my mind I, I feel it's that important for me being alone and uh, having so much spare time uh, the enemy likes to play with my head and uh, having a place to serve and feel it, knowing that God is using me uh, in the background which is where I like to be I don't like to be in the forefront at all but knowing that God has a plan and God has a purpose and God allows me the privilege of, of helping and serving, uh, knowing all the uh, junk in my background and my past, God still is gracious and mercy and forgiving and allows me to, to help others. God has definitely plugged me in here and it's home. Uh, now when I go out of town, I hate to miss Sundays. I try to plan my trips where I'm here on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, which doesn't give you a lot of time if you're going to Georgia or somewhere. But it's so much home, and it's such a good fit that uh, 
I hope I never have to leave. Uh, but trusting God that this is the place for this point in this time. And uh, seeing, looking back and seeing how God has prepared me and has blessed me to be able to help and to be able to uh, have a part of his, his ultimate plan of loving people and, and letting people know that there is a way to get through things and that way is Jesus. I'm Debbie Bozeman and I serve at New Life. We hate, yeah, go ahead. We don't like it when Miss Debbie is gone either, uh, because she is such a help and such an encourager to our family. And, and I'm going to tell you, ladies, if you need somebody to talk to, you are not going to find a better person to talk to than Miss Debbie. Uh, she just has this, she has a spiritual gift as well as she is a, um, she has her degree in counseling. And, and so we have a sheet back there on the table where you can, if you need some counseling and, and you, uh, are interested in that, you can fill that out and, um, and we'll get you hooked up with Miss Debbie. A um, couple of things that I'm just going to mention, and we're, gonna, we're just going to fly through this. But if you don't think you have abilities, then there's a sheet back there called Specialized Ability. There's, there's 26 different things. You look through that, you try to figure out the things that you're good at, and then you put those on your shape sheet. Uh, unwrapping my gifts and monitoring my heartbeat. There's all of these things, these pieces of paper that you can get. So the first thing you need, if you hadn't done it, fill out your shape sheet, take these other pieces of paper, and it will help you. Because you're going you're gonna to get a little bit of head knowledge through that, but you're not going to find out your gift until you get busy doing what you should be doing. Um, okay, so if you, uh, if you need some ideas about your personality, there's a little bit in the shape sheet about if you're introvert, extrovert. You know, I talked about um, some people are dippers when they go into the pool. They dip their toe in and then their other toes, and some people are plungers, and plungers marry dippers, and it's a lot of fun to, to figure out your, your personality. If you need some help with that, there's some on this shape sheet, but I can also email you what we did to discover your personality, and if you want to find that out, then uh, write that on your card today that you would like the personality form and some of those things. I can email it to you for, if you forget to take it today. Now, here's what I want to focus on as we finish this series, and it's your experiences an unexamined experience, an unexamined past is worthless. But if you will be honest about your past, God will use it in a way that you would not ever have dreamed. The thing you're most afraid of sharing is the thing that God wants to use to lead someone else into the kingdom of God. And, and that's what I'm telling you. When, when people open up and they start sharing in our small groups... <laughs> sorry, that sounded like I was clearing my throat, but I wasn't. I keep forgetting to get a new uh, cable for this thing. So I'll try to be still and finish this up. Um, but we want you to examine your experiences. I want you to see what Paul said about his experiences. Philippians 1.12 says this. I want you, brothers and sisters, to know what has happened to me has helped me to spread the good news. Now, Paul said everything that's happened in my past. And Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was chased out of every almost every town he ever went to. He was thrown in prison. He spent a night and a day in the ocean. When he got out of the ocean, he was bit by a poisonous snake. Everybody thought he was going to die. All of these things happened to Paul. And Paul says, I want you to understand everything that's happened to me is serving God's purpose. And so what can you do to a person like that? People said, I'm going to torture Paul. And Paul says, I get this. Share the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Lay it on me, brother. They're like, well, maybe we won't do that. Let's kill him. And he's like, to die is gain. I get to go to heaven. Kill me. Well, don't want to do that. Let's let him live. Well, to live is Christ. It's good for the church. And so he's in prison when he's writing these words. And he says, I'm going to write letters to encourage all of the churches that I've helped start. What do you do to a person like that? 
Leave them alone because there's nothing you can do that's going to hurt them. And the forces of hell cannot prevail against a person who has that attitude about following Christ. How many churches do you know where that's the prevailing attitude of a church member? Torture me? I'm like Jesus. Throw me in prison? I'll witness to people in prison. Kill me? Whew. My mom and dad and my sister, my nephew, my grandparents, they're already there. I think they're praying for me to come there pretty soon. What are you going to do to a person like that? Absolutely nothing. But too many Christ followers are defeated. Woe is me, whining, complaining. Come with me to Haiti. And let's ask a few Haitians if they would trade their life for your life. And they would do it in a heartbeat. We are rich beyond all imagination in this country. So let's figure out what God put us here for. It's not to waste all of the stuff on ourselves. It's to serve the kingdom of God. So I want you to get involved in ministry. I want you to fill out your shape sheet. And then let me tell you real quickly, eight things we believe about ministry. We're going to fly through these and then you're going to go to the ministry fair. Salvation in Jesus Christ automatically includes a call to serve in ministry. If you're a Christ follower, you don't have a choice whether you serve or not. Because you were created, saved, called, gifted, authorized, and commanded to serve. Number two, God has uniquely shaped each Christian for a specific ministry. God has designed you. God has put you here for a reason. Miss Debbie has a very specific purpose in our church, and so do you if you're a Christ follower. Number three, every Christian is a 10 in some area. Not everybody's supposed to do the same thing. If everybody were a preacher, no one would ever listen. Right? It's true. Number four, serving is how to discover your gift. You're not going to discover your gift just from Bible study. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen. You have to get busy serving and then God shows you what you're good at. Number five, membership and maturity are required to serve. All right, let me explain this. You don't have to be a member in our church to serve, but you have to be a member in our church and you have to be a mature member to lead a ministry. You come up to me in your life, you're living like hell outside of the walls. We're, you're not going to get to lead a ministry because you're going to bring um, harm on the reputation of Christ and on the reputation of new life. However, if you just want to get your toes you know, wet a little bit and you want to serve, we'll let you serve before you're a church member. You can do that, but you have to serve with somebody who is a church member. The Holy Spirit has provided everything we need, every gift, every ability, every experience we need to be a major force for the kingdom of God in Anderson County and within driving distance of this church. But too many people are doing nothing and we can't accomplish our mission until you get busy. So we believe that, that a church should operate on this basis of spiritual gifts, not elected offices. So we will not elect anybody ever as long as I have breath. Because we believe that God chooses and gifts you. And when you discover that gift, it's going to be evident to everybody else around. And you plug in and you serve in ministry. So we're not going to elect you. We're not going to have a committee on committees. That's my, that's my favorite useless committee from my past in, in the Baptist church. I guess it wasn't totally useless, but a committee on committees. All they do is sit around and think up new committees and then try to get people to fill those positions they just made up. 
You want to do this? No. Well, we need somebody. Okay. How smart is that? I don't understand. So, we believe that, that no ministry will ever go beyond the leadership of that ministry. Meaning, if the leaders aren't committed to the ministry, the ministry is going to fail. We believe everything rises and falls on leadership. We believe that one mark of a maturing church is that every year, the leadership requirements should get higher and higher. When we first started New Life, if you were a warm body and you were awake, you could serve somewhere. That's all the requirements. Now, it's, it's higher than that. And it should be because as we mature in Christ, we ought to raise the bar for leaders in our church. Um, we believe that every ministry must fulfill at least one of the five purposes of the church. You don't get to make up purposes of the church. Jesus Christ established the church. This is his bride. He gets to tell us what to do. And if you study the New Testament, you'll discover there are five reasons that we're supposed to have church. Worship, that's what we do in the big crowd, but we also do it in small groups. Evangelism, that's telling everybody the good news about Jesus Christ. Discipleship, that's um, where we study God's word and we apply it to our lives. Fellowship, that's what we do in our small groups and anywhere else that, that you're not in a large group. And then ministry. Ministry. That's what we've been trying to talk to you about for eight weeks now is you need to serve if we're ever going to reach our potential. And so if if one of the ministries doesn't serve one of those purposes, we're not going to do it. It's got to serve a purpose uh, of our church. Only official ministries of New Life Communities Church under supervision of the staff and, and the, the board will get any mention in our announcements. So you, you can't just go out and say, I'm going to start this Bible study and I'm going to use curriculum that, that nobody uh, in the church supports, that, that uses doctrine that we don't believe in. We're not, you can do that. That's, that's fine. But you're not going to get a mention from here because it's got to be in line with what we believe that the scripture teaches. What we believe about performance is we expect excellence in ministry, not perfection. Um, there's a difference. Perfection is we're going to give, we're going to beat you over the head until you get it perfect. That's not what Jesus did. We're going to do our best and allow God to multiply it and make it supernatural. We believe God deserves your best. And so you have to work at your ministry. We encourage creativity and innovation in ministry. Here's the thing. This is, this is, this is going to be one of our mottos going forward. If you're leading a ministry, you should be making mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, it means you're not trying anything new. Now, you shouldn't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. That means you're an idiot. Stop it. New mistakes are fine. Old mistakes are not fine. If you keep making, making the same mistakes, it means you're not learning. It means you're not listening to those in authority over you as well as to God. We don't have any problem with you making mistakes. Just don't repeat them, right? And watch. Watch other people. Let them make mistakes for you. Spread them around. Don't try to make all the mistakes yourself. We believe everybody's a 10 and, and we believe that a failed project or a failed ministry does not mean a failed person. It's okay to make mistakes. God's grace is enough. There are no wrong people, only right people in the wrong ministry. So today in the living room, there's all kinds of things you can do to serve. You want to know something that ought to shame us? I've got fourth, fifth, sixth graders coming up to me saying, can I serve I've had more of those than I have adults. What's wrong with that picture? You don't have a choice, and it's not my saying. It's the one we claim to follow Jesus who said, He came to serve others, and we're supposed to do what He did. So we've got to get busy serving.
Someday God's going to ask you, what did you do with the talents, abilities, with the shape I gave you? Don't you want to hear Matthew 25, 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. There are two enemies of serving. Two things that are going to keep people from making a commitment. One is fear. I can't do this. I'm not sure I'm good enough. Well, let me give you just a couple of scriptures. Bible says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So the Holy Spirit living in me is greater than any problem you're going to face. He who began a good work and you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God is taking responsibility to multiply what he's given in you. And if you'll just offer it to him, he will lead you into an area where you can be successful and have an impact. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You really got an excuse that, that, that you can't do it? Not if you're following Jesus. The other enemy is secular values. And I really think this is where most of us are. You got 168 hours in a week. And I hear all the time, I don't have time for ministry. You know what that really means? You don't have time for the kingdom. you're, You're telling me that you don't have time to be involved in the most important thing on the planet. Your jobs are great. Your jobs, when you, when you go and serve and work and you give to the church, we're able to do things that we couldn't do if you didn't serve. But your jobs will end. The kingdom of God never does. So we want you to be involved in something that lasts forever. And, and don't tell me at all that what you're doing back there doesn't matter. Because just a few weeks ago when I preached my parents and my sister's funeral, uh, it was pretty, pretty cool because I got to preach in the church where I grew up. And, uh, oh my gosh, they all kept coming up saying, dude, you've changed. And I'm saying, praise God, because I was a butt. I actually was the kid that should have been kicked out of church. The, the pastor told my youth minister that if I didn't settle down, he was going to call me down one day in church. And I looked my youth minister in the eye and I said, if he does, I'll walk out the door and I'll never be back. How's that for some pride and arrogance? I was a deep spiritual teenager. And, and when, I, when I preached, I had a, my 11th grade Sunday school teacher came up and he goes, he goes, man, how far you've come. He said, I remember you in 11th grade. And I said, oh my gosh. And, and honestly, he wasn't the best Sunday school teacher in the world. But I knew that man loved me. And so I never missed Sunday school. I don't remember a thing he taught me, but I remember he'd come get me. I remember he'd pray for me. He'd take me to get a Coke just to see how things were going. He came to my ball games. Dude, still teaching in that Sunday school class. It makes a difference when you pour your life into someone else. So if you don't have enough time, I fear for you because you're going to stand before your creator one day and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you use your talents and abilities to make money and spend it on yourself? Or did you invest your life in what matters most, the kingdom of God? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for these folks that are here. I really think I see a lot of people here that love you with all their heart. I know I've seen, I see people here who you have changed them. They're not the same person anymore. God, if if this group of people could understand and get involved in your plan for their lives, we could actually shake America, we could shake the world with this many people. 
It just takes a heart fully committed to you. And Lord, your word says that you search throughout the land, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to you. It's my prayer that somebody here today will wake up and become fully devoted. And I pray that they'll say, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. God, help us to grow, to grow and to discover our gifts and to be who you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.